explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, August 26th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. A lot to get into as usual. Thank God it's Friday. Tomorrow is our last Saturday without Buckeye football for a long time, not including the bye week, but so that's exciting. Um, okay, so tomorrow, one week away from that Notre Dame matchup. Uh, your your thoughts on this matchup overall, Jay Book? I'm so excited, Dave. I can't, I cannot wait for this game. It feels like Christmas is right around the corner. I mean, it's been a long, brutal offseason. A lot of talk, a lot of smack talk from the Michigan faithful, a lot of talk, a smack talk coming from Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. So to me, I'm just excited to get this show on the road. Might have lost Jay Book there. Um, I think he froze up on me, my friend. Hey for the remainder of the season because if Ohio State can go out here and perform at a high level in front of the, the nation, this might be the highest rated game of all the, all the college football, probably besides the Michigan and Ohio State game. So if they can go out there and perform at a high level, it's really going to set the tempo for the rest of the season. So are you confident? You cut out there a little bit on me. So like you're like – the spread's like 15 and a half. You confident they're going to cover that, the Buckeyes? You think it's going to be closer? You think Notre Dame might win? Just Are you confident as a Buckeye fan? Very confident. Very confident. I think this Ohio State team shows up with a bad attitude. Everything that uh, has been said over camp indicates that they're ready to go. They're physically, mentally ready to go. So I am I am very confident. I like Ohio State covering the spread. And I was looking on uh, – pregame.com and it has kind of a breakdown of where the cash and everything's uh, being dished out in Vegas. And right now, 92% of the cash in Las Vegas are on the Buckeyes to cover that spread. So Vegas knows what they're doing. They haven't built those bright lights for no reason. So if a majority of the, the pro gamblers who are already in on it right now think the Buckeyes can cover that spread, there's no reason why I don't believe that Ohio State won't be able to cover. Yeah, I'm fairly confident as well. I talked about this on the show earlier this week. I was like, when that point spread went up to 15 and a half, as you mentioned, the money it might be up to 16 by now. I think it was 14, 13 and a half for most of the offseason, right around 14. So then it kept ticking yeah. up, ticking up, because you're right. Like, as you said, 92% of the money is going toward the Buckeyes. So I wouldn't be surprised if that keeps ticking up. And I was thinking, that seems like a high point spread when I first, you know, when you first looked at the spread, I'm thinking 15 and a half. Wow. Then I broke it down. I'm like, I started doing my own little projections here of what I think the score might be. I kept coming up with Ohio State winning by like 20 or 22, like 42 to 20, something like that. I'm thinking I would take Ohio State to cover, but um, I have a lot of respect for Notre Dame. They're a good team, but I think they're walking into a buzzsaw. We'll see. Um, I love this. I've never been so excited for a Nebraska-Northwestern game in my life. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's really cool. Also, Illinois is playing at home against Wyoming tomorrow. But 12.30 Eastern, so you're going to be getting up for breakfast and watching some uh, 9.30 Eastern or 9.30 Pacific. You're going to be watching AM. 
They're going to be watching yep. some Big Ten football in Ireland, no less. Nebraska and Northwestern. Nebraska favored by 11 and a half. We'll see. Northwestern was terrible last year, but their pattern under Pat Fitzgerald has been bad, good, bad, good. We know Ohio State played them in two of the last four Big Ten championship games. Uh, I'm not saying Northwestern is going to win the West. I, I actually picked them last, but um, I'm just glad we're going to see some Big Ten football tomorrow. It's my favorite time of the year, Dave. Get up. You know, do a little quick workout, grab myself some coffee, make some breakfast, and boom, games are on from from early on the morning out here on the West Coast until at night. But if you're in Nebraska right here and Scott Frost, this is a must-win game. I mean, you look at this game here, and then they got a cupcake game coming up, and then they have Oklahoma at uh, Nebraska. So if they can win this game and start out, they I think they have a legitimate opportunity to – maybe start the season 3-0, 4-0. If Nebraska loses this game, uh, I think the heat will be turned up even more for Scott Frost right now. I know he made those comments last week saying something along the lines that the offensive linemen have been puking all through practice, you know, 15, 16 different times they were throwing up in practice because they've been pushing them so hard. A lot of people who aren't used to the old school talk with like, Hey, wait a minute, you need to be careful and stuff. And a lot of people took those comments the wrong way, but for, for them, I think it's a must win game. They need to start fast. If you're Illinois going against Wyoming, this should be a game that you should win both teams. I would say just getting bowl eligible uh, is a step in the right direction, especially Illinois. But if you're Nebraska, I know you and I have Nebraska as our potential picks to win the Big Ten West, and so they need to get off uh, to a good start. But if you're Illinois right now, you got to win this game. I know they have Indiana coming up um, after this as far as their early Big Ten conference game. So if you're Illinois, this is an opportunity for you to try to stack a couple of these wins where it could be a toss-up game here. But I like both Nebraska and Illinois this weekend. Might do a little money line parlay as as the as the day heads on. There you go. Get a little gambling going. I like it. All right. Um, wanted to get uh, knee deep into this. I know you did as well. We got a chance to speak with uh, safeties coach Perry Eliano earlier this week, as well as Tim Walton, secondary coach slash corners coach, and a bunch of the defensive backs. And uh, not a huge surprise, but it was a really cool meeting with uh, Coach Eliano. Very impressed with him. I uh, love the job that he did at Cincinnati, uh, coaching those guys up. And he was the, the corners coach there, and I was the safeties coach here. And he said – um, and we've been hearing good things about all these guys, so it's not a huge surprise, but um, he loves his group of safeties. He said he's got six guys right now that um, he feels great about, that he thinks could play and play at a high level. Now, Jim Knowles doesn't like to rotate a lot, um, but if you're the main backup at a position, you're going to play. It's just a matter of how much. So you're talking about starters, Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, uh, Tanner McAllister, top backups. you got Lathan Ransom, Court Williams. Cam Martinez is also repping a corner to give them some depth there. So those are the six. I'm pretty fired up about that, too, but it was great hearing Coach uh, Eliano talk about that. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this group of safeties. looks like a pretty stellar group. Yeah, I just want to start with um, Coach Perry Eliano. I love what he said in regards to he's there to be a teacher, um, to really teach these guys, enhance their knowledge of the game, be a mentor there. Uh, he's not necessarily the rah-rah coach. You know, Coach Coach P would get fired up, but I love the fact that he's making – huge efforts to really teach and have these guys understand the nuances of the safety position in and out. First and foremost, I love that. Uh, then let's get into some of the, the guys that you've mentioned here. You have Hickman, you have Proctor, you have McAllister as you're starting. 
I, I think they're going to be solid. You know, Hickman is a guy that's coming off 100 tackles. I know Jim Knowles thinks that Josh Proctor has the potential to be the best safety in all of college football. And then you have your elder statesman, the guy who really knows the defense in and out, and Tanner McAllister, who's going to be your nickel guy. Can he perform at a high level? They think he can. I think he's going to provide a lot of valuable leadership out there on the field, helping to get the uh, communication set. And then the the I would say, Dave, Lathan Ransom coming back and performing at a high level is a really welcome surprise to the staff because it was kind of up in the air on how well he's going to be able to recover from that leg in, in injury. Will he even be able to participate in fall camp? And boom, right. here you go. You have a guy in Lathan Ransom who came into camp. He's triggering. He's flying to the football. He's not showing any type of hesitation. And he's playing with an attitude, which you love to hear. And then Court Williams, a guy that was voted a captain amongst his peers, they're going to he's going to see the field a lot. I think he, they're going to be able to move him down into the box a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive in helping with the run game. And then Cam, as you mentioned, Cam Martinez, he has that athleticism to play all over the field. And then on top of that, you still got your freshman. You still got your Kai Stokes. And you still got your Sonny Styles. Uh, you know, so I know he said he has his top six guys that as of today, those are the, the guys are going to probably be playing against Notre Dame once the bullets start flying. But as we progress throughout the season, then you can start seeing the Kai Stokes jumping in there. Then you can start seeing the Sonny Styles getting some type of uh specialized packages just to get his feet wet. So I love the safety group and Dave, what a difference from last year, the safety play where, you know, the, the kids were just absolutely confused, not put in the right position. The depth was a major concern at the safety position last year to now you're looking, it's like, well, we got six guys that we feel really great about and two up and coming stars to really make a, a eight package of safeties. Yeah, I love this group, and you hit on it. I mean, when you've got Kai Stokes, who they're really high on, even though he's a true freshman and rolled early um, as a third teamer, you know you're in great shape because I think he's going to be a future star here. Um, not just a starter, I think he'll be a future star by his third year. So I love Kai Stokes. Um, Jansen Dunn's another guy. He's been a little banged up. Um, you know, redshirt freshman was coming on last year before he got hurt. And you mentioned Sonny Styles should be playing high school football tonight here in uh, Ohio, but uh, instead he's uh, playing for the Buckeyes. So. You know you're in good shape when those guys are your third-string safeties. All right. Um, I want to ask you about this. Switching gears. Um, so our good friend Brett McMurphy um, is reporting that if the Big Ten adds four teams and Notre Dame is not one of them, he is hearing from a source. He didn't say multiple sources. He's hearing from a source the likely candidates could be Cal. I don't think Cal would add anything. Stanford, Oregon, and Washington. And they would take a lesser cut of the money. I don't know. I mean, I guess that would then you'd, you'd be owning the instead of just having the L.A. schools, you would you know own the almost the entire West Coast. I don't know. I don't think Cal adds anything. Um, I, if they do join, I'm glad the rumor is they're going to take less money because they I, I don't know what really any of those schools add. Your thoughts on that? If, if Cal is joining 
the first thing that I thought was, here's Gene Smith belling out uh, the former Ohio State president, Michael Drake, again. And I just had a random thought. Remember that time when uh, they had that debacle of a press conference when Urban got in trouble and Michael Drake got up there and he couldn't even stand the bullets flying from the media? Gene Smith had to come in there and save his tail that one time. But then here it is again where Cal is kicking up dust trying to prevent UCLA from joining the Big Ten. And, and with that being said, they're trying to stall that merger there. I just don't like all of these Pac-12 schools. I know I might get killed for saying this, but I really don't see Stanford bringing a whole lot besides the academic part to the to the Big Ten. I know uh, Stanford is elite when it comes to their academics, but when it comes to athletics, I don't see anything that Stanford really brings to the table. They're not enhancing the pot when it comes to are these schools going to be making more money. I would like to see them go get Oregon, go get Washington. Now you have the Pacific North, the Pacific Northwest there. You got Southern California. That puts you at 18. I would say move on from Notre Dame. They've had ample opportunities to try to join. Now let's try to tap into the South, get, get Miami. About North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina. Get another team for the South, but just taking the the you know the leftover rejects from the Pac-12, it doesn't do anything for me. But I understand if they did do this, why they were trying to do it. I heard somebody say if the Big Ten were to add more Pac-12 teams, what they're essentially trying to do is capture that Pac-12 after dark audience as far as the networks. So essentially, you'll have the Fox starting at noon. Then you have your noon 3.30 primetime game. After primetime game, now you have um, now you have that Pac-12 after dark where Big Ten games were going to be pretty much from 9 a.m. on the West Coast to 9 p.m. on the West Coast as far as kickoffs and games starting. But I'm, I'm perfectly fine with just Oregon and Washington. Leave Cal and Stanford to figure it out. If Stanford wants to go Ivy League, you know, by all means, but I'm sure that the Ohio State president is going to be a big advocate for Stanford with her being a former Stanford grad there. I'm sure Michael Drake is probably willing to, to back off the, the dust that he's trying to kick up for UCLA if they're at it. But like you said, take a lesser cut. But at the same time, I don't see how it really does anything as far as enhancing the rest of the Big Ten brand. All right. We bounce around on the Bucknuts Morning 5, but I want to get your thoughts on recruiting for the Buckeyes. Um, hold on, let me do uh, – yeah. Um, so it's been it's been quiet for a while, which is kind of to be expected once, you know, once camp starts. But, um, you know, I mean, there are some people that are concerned about this recruiting lag that the Buckeyes are going through. I'm, I'm mildly concerned about it. I do think they're going to finish strong, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, and I like the guys they have right now. Curious to get your thoughts on the 2023 class and where it might end up. Are you concerned about it? Just where are you at with recruiting? Yeah, when it comes to the 2023 class, I'm I thought that it would probably finish a little bit better. Obviously, they had that that log going to end of June into July was a, which was a disaster month. They missed on a lot of the top prospects. But the good news is come next week, Ohio State will have more than what you can ask for as far as recruits on campus. I know Noah Rogers said in the Twitter spaces that or uh, I'm sorry, Bryson Rogers said in the Twitter spaces that that Notre Dame game is a hot ticket. A lot of the top end recruits um, that they're targeting, especially the 2023 class where you have 
Mateo, who's supposed to be coming to that game. You have Keon Keeley, the former Notre Dame decommit five-star defense in. You have Wilson, the five-star defense in out of Florida, who's supposed to be coming up. And then a bevy of 2024 class. I mean, all in all, you're you're probably talking about 40, maybe 50 recruits that will be at the Notre Dame game. Uh, I know they have a massive 310 320 defensive tackle out of Georgia that they're very high on. That's supposed to be coming up for the Notre Dame game. That's in the 2023 class as well. But I will say this, uh, you know, if they can finish in the top five, that's still going to be a pretty solid class. You're, you got your quarterback. I think they definitely need to add a couple more pieces to the defensive line. I want to see them get a 300 plus pound defensive tackle, especially with the defense that Jim knows is, is looking to try to run. You can never have too many of those guys. I think they might be done on offense. Right now, you're probably going to have to play a little de- defensive recruiting when it comes to uh, your running back there and Mark Fletcher, who Miami's trying to go after pretty hard. Carnell Tate, there's a lot of smoke out there that he may take a visit to Tennessee. I don't think by any means that those guys are going to flip, but you still have to play defense because as Urban Meyer would say, if you got a commitment right now, it just means that you're the leader. So with those type of with those guys, you're the you're the actual leader. So I think the position right now is to try to continue to recruit your tacky Curtis's because if the defense shows out and they show that they are back and the silver bullets are back, now you can try to circle back on some of those guys that you had a really strong relationship with, like your uh downs, like your tacky Curtis. Go get some, uh, get Mateo, make him a priority. Uh, Damon Wilson, he's going to be a guy that if he wants to be in, who's a five-star defense in out of Florida, you take him. And then all indications are Keon Keeley's probably headed to Alabama, but it doesn't hurt that he's going to be on campus. And if it's an electric atmosphere and he falls in love with Ohio State, by no means will Ohio State be out of it. So, yes, there's, there's somewhat concern when it comes to recruiting, but – you have to look forward to all of the guys that they're going to have on campus next week. And I, I would be remiss to say uh, the Desmond Howard <laughs> clown comments and everybody's talking about Desmond Howard and the way he's been uh, acting up. <laughs> that cracks me up because De- I don't know what Desmond Howard was trying to say the other day when he was talking about how CJ Stroud doesn't deserve to be in there as far as a Heisman contender. He just – he continues to outdo himself with stupidity. It's unbelievable. You think, well, he can't say anything, like, dumber than that. And he's like, you just watch. I can top my own stupidity. Way to go, Desmond. You're setting new heights. I uh, know. Uh, he's, he's, he says something along the lines when it comes to the Heisman, all the rest of the guys are starting at the finish line. What does that mean, Desmond? Like, what do you mean all the guys are starting at the finish line? He, he's always saying something absolutely ridiculous and – Put me up there, Dave. I could do a better job than Desmond. Oh, easily. Easily. <laughs> um, by the way, I said this on the show the other day. Does everybody realize, including Jay Book, that when he did the Heisman pose against Ohio State, that he did it wrong? If you look at the Heisman, <laughs> the knee is raised a little bit. But both, both feet are on the ground. Both cleats are on the oh, ground. Man. The actual trophy. He didn't even do the Heisman pose right. Now you have a whole generation of kids <laughs> growing up. You raise your like foot in the air and do it like, No. He didn't even do hey, the high school right. Hey, speaking of speaking of Desmond, uh, Dave, let me ask you this. There's been a lot of smoke that once the Big Ten transitions away from ESPN, that game day will no longer head to Big Ten campuses. 
How do you feel about that? How do you feel about game day no longer showing up in Columbus and Desmond no longer being up there being booed and Kurt Herbstreit, Lee Corso? I mean, that's always been a pastime for college football for however long, last 20, 25 years and stuff. You know, as somebody who's been on the beat for a while and Ohio State used to really take it kind of serious, like a big deal when game day was there. How do you feel if game day is no longer allowed or deciding they're no longer going to head to Columbus? I have mixed emotions. Here's why. When you first asked me the question, I almost said I'm indifferent, you know, like, you know, good riddance almost because of, I never watched that show anymore. The only pregame show that I had watched recently was um, when Urban was on Big Noon Kickoff because he's so freaking good at it. And despite everything, you know, everybody being up, you know, up in arms about him getting that job back, he's fantastic at it. And I'll probably, you know, tune in to watch that show sometimes. I never watched College Game Day. That being said, I was a student at Ohio State when they had the first one in 1996. I was there, and it was cool. Um, Herbie brought his, you know, his twins up now that are, you know, in college themselves. I don't even think Zach, who's on the team, Herb Street, was even born yet. Um, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but um, so, and Ohio State was the first one they ever did. And it was so cool back then with course, you know, it still is kind of cool to see what Corso does, even though he's, you know, not the, you know, not kind of the same that he used to be, but um, still out there doing his thing. I have mixed emotions about it, I guess, but um, I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll go with my first instinct that it's just changed so much. It's like this three hour marathon show now. It's not what it used to be. I just I don't care. But the, people the, love it, the whole, what do you think? I mean, to me, I, I don't I try to as I'm up in the morning and I'm doing things around the house before the games, I usually have it on as like a backdrop sound noise. But I, once they once they start doing all of the the bits and the clips where they're trying to make you cry on game day, they do a sad story. That's when I was like, I'm out, man. Like, hey, I'm trying to get fired up here. And the last thing I'm trying to be doing is sitting sit on my couch crying over a sad story about Tom Rinaldi. You know, Tom Rinaldi's always trying to make somebody cry. And I'm like, That's dude, funny. the game starts in, in 30 minutes. I'm trying to be fired up here. I'm not trying to be sitting here <laughs> trying to trying to wipe my eyes like because some sad story and, and a kid is sick. I mean, God bless the kid. And I hope, you know, every story that they do, it turns out well in the end. But that's the last thing I'm trying to be watching 15 minutes before kickoff. It's like the Bill Burr joke, you know, talking about breast cancer awareness month in the NFL. He's like, listen, I'm all in for breast cancer awareness. He's like, but can I watch a freaking football game for three hours and I'll be reminded about all the crappy things in the world? You know, the players right. all wearing their, you know, you know, it's, it is, it's a great cause, but it's a funny joke that he's, you know, saying, can, can I just escape and watch football for three hours or without being reminded of this? Can I watch a pregame show, J-Book, without having to cry? A Tom Rinaldi yeah. story. <laughs> Rinaldi is very good at what he does, all joking aside. All right, let's, uh, we're already going late. I'm going to hit just a couple of questions here. Spider Sillery, uh, who will be the unexpected breakout player in the DB room this season? Jay Book? Uh, if we're going to talk about the DB room, the breakout player, I just think that I don't even know if you can consider Denzel Burke a breakout player because he has such an outstanding year. I saw a picture of him, how big he's gotten. I just think he takes that next step to become uh, a household name to where he's pushing to be on the All-American list. I'll go with Court Williams. I think it says a lot that he's a captain. I think it says a lot with Jim Knowles. Kind of went out of his way to say, we need to have guys that are com true combo guys. And we have guys that can play defensive end and outside linebacker, you know, the jack position. He's like, the really hard ones to find, the true combo guys, are the guys that can play DB and linebacker. And he said, we got one in Court Williams. We're going to find a role for Court. That said a lot to me. So I'll go with Court Williams there. Even though I'm kind of cheating because he's kind of, you know, almost a, you know, 
hybrid linebacker too. All right, next one here. This is from Eric. Morning, fellas. A couple intriguing questions for you. How many Ohio State records do you think Stroud will break this year? Which ones? Same questions for Big Ten and national records. So our guy Eric is disagreeing with Desmond. Desmond thinks that Stroud's not good. Eric thinks he's going to break a bunch of records this year. What records do you think Stroud will break this year, JB? I think he will get Dwayne Haskins' touchdown record, uh, single-season touchdown record. I'm not sure what the career record um, is looking like overall, but I, I definitely think he will be right there in contention for that as far as career touchdown uh, records. And I also think that he has an opportunity for career passing records. I think this year Day really wants to put on a show. He wants to prove a point to all of college football and wants to show that Ohio State is the premier place to go and play uh, quarterback. So – when that when you have that type of mindset, you're going to let your quarterback air it out, especially with the wide receivers that you have. So I can see uh, C.J. Stroud pushing the single season passing record as far as yards and touchdowns and knocking on the door for career uh, touchdowns as well. I agree. I think you nailed it. All right. Last question from Facebook. This is from Rex. This is the one thing, one thing every Buckeye fan wants to know. Will the defensive tackles get more push this year? Will they better? <laughs> Jay Book, will they? I'll take that when I think he froze up. Yeah, I think they will. We're hearing good things about Teron Vincent. We know Tyleek Williams is that, that penetrating defensive tackle that you love, a guy that's 315 pounds but moves like he's 290. Uh, we saw flashes of it last year, but now he's in shape. Now Tyleek is in shape where he can play more snaps. Um, I still think when we're hearing it, he might be coming off the bench, but I think they're going to play. I mean, Larry Johnson said they're going to play a ton of guys. So, yes, I do think the D tackles are going to get more push. You're going to see Mike Hall is going to be a guy that's going to step up this year. A little bit undersized, but quick. You know, Kevin Wilson was joking. When he runs with the threes, he's like, yeah, that must be the best the third team player I've ever seen in my life. You know, joking in practice how the offensive line, the third team O-line has to go up against Mike Hall sometimes. Mike Hall's not a true third teamer. He's going to play Ty Hamilton, Jerron Cage. Um, you know, these guys, you know, I, I like what I see out of these D tackles. Maybe Hero Canoe can help out as a true freshman a little bit. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think the D, the D tackles will get more push this year. Jay Buck, I think we have you back. Anything you want to add, my friend? Yeah, I, I think the defensive tackles will be um, pretty solid this year. The, you mentioned Mike Hall. He's a guy that I'm excited to see because they've been raving about him all over camp. Uh, Larry Johnson talking about he's going to rotate 12 defensive linemen. You have to think that you're going to get at least five, maybe four to five different defensive tackle rotations there. So I do think that they will have a push this year, be more dom dominant. Uh, a lot of those guys got stronger. You have to keep in mind the big the big talking point is Coach Mick went back to his old ways, meaning that those guys went back to the, you know, the brute force type of strength and conditioning that you saw under Urban Meyer. So I think that interior of the defensive line will be better conditioned and a whole lot stronger. And to me, that means they're going to be able to collapse the pocket. Great stuff, as always, from Jay Book. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Jonah Booker. Thanks to all of you for, for tuning in, whether you're listening um, to the podcast-only version or if you're a part of our live audience. Really appreciate all the comments and questions from our live audience. Thanks so much to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend.
now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.